Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Yo! Welcome into the House of L podcast. I'm Lawrence Holmes. Thanks so much for checking out the pod. Appreciate everyone who has already subscribed, everyone who has written a review and given us five stars. That is very much appreciated. I had an episode planned to put out this week. I usually put out the interview episodes on Saturday or Sunday morning, depending on what my schedule is. But I decided that I wanted to just kind of crack the microphone and talk about a lot of stuff because this is the space for me to to get into this where I don't have to worry about am I not on my job, like that sort of thing. Like I don't, trust me, I would love to be able to talk about some of this stuff on the score in depth, but there's a... There's a line that I walk when it comes to how far I want to go on some of my hobbies and some of my thoughts. And that's one of the reasons why I built House of L in the first place. Before we get into it, let me just say, we are brought to you by the fine folks at Mazda of Orland Park. If you're looking for a unique car buying experience, you need to talk with everyone out there. ZoomZoomNation.com. I thank them because they've become a partner, not only in the podcast, but in the stuff that I'm doing on Twitter. It's pretty crazy (laughs) that these Sox recaps have turned into a thing. And what I'm hearing is, and I'm letting the House of L audience know this before anyone else knows this. There might be a Bears component to it. Mitch actually came to my house yesterday and we were talking and we might we might just extend that. So you might get some some Bears recaps. I don't have any Bears caps and I'm probably not going to wear any, but I'm I'm going to do some of that stuff. And if Mazda wants Mazda of Orland Park wants to be a part of it. Great. If you're an advertiser and wants to be a part of it, hit me up. House of L podcast at gmail.com. We are also brought to you by David Hochberg, 56david.com. David does a great job of helping people find their homes financially. If you're refinancing a home or you're trying to put the money together to buy a home, then David Hochberg is the person that you want to call. 855-56-DAVID is the way that you can get in touch with him. And the fine folks over at Homeside Financial. Homeside Financial is an equal housing lender. NMLS number 1124061. I'm dead serious. Like, go call David. He can help you. And when you talk to him, tell him that you heard about us 
meaning him, on this podcast that I do, the House of L podcast. Okay. It's been a really hard week for me. This week has been rough, I think, for the Republic. I think it's been rough for the black community. I think that it's been rough for anyone who feels like there needs to be reform in policing. And honestly, people who just have empathy. I think that it's been a rough week. This has felt like a a week where there have been a lot of steps backwards. And it hurts. Like, it, it's... I think that part of the reason that you saw the Wildcat strike from the players around Major League Baseball, not as much as you would hope, uh, in the NBA, NFL teams taking off practices, the WNBA who continues to lead from the front. I think that part of the reason is there, there's a feeling of hopelessness that goes with putting all of your effort into trying to make change and then realizing that the wheels of change grind very slowly. And that incremental change that you may feel that we've made from the end of June through July gets zapped back when you see Jacob Blake shot in the back seven times in front of his children. Those are hard things to work through. Those are hard things to to try and figure out why does this stuff keep happening. And I think that's why you saw athletes from around the world of sports really push back because it felt like well, we, we did all the right things. We took all the right steps. We have these slogans on the floor and we're wearing them on our jerseys and all of this stuff and then realizing that change didn't happen. This is something that has plagued any movement that is trying to progress. If you take a look at the steps that had to be taken in women's suffrage, for example, or any abolitionist, there are these steps forward and then there are these massive step backwards. Ending slavery. I mean, the other thing is the amount of violence that it's taken in the United States in the history of change is uh, remarkable and honestly not talked about enough. If you look at every major movement that has happened in America, there's been violence that's been associated with it. Whether we're talking about the lands of Native people, if we're talking about slavery and a war, if we're talking about women's suffrage, I mean, go. Women were. <laughs> there's been a lot of a lot of really good shows. A PBS did a special on it. I highly recommend that you go check it out. They were talking about the hundred years of of the vote, and these women were treated horribly. There were also some issues as far as whether white women were going to be were were really trying to get the vote for all women or for just them. But I digress. 
whether it's the women's suffrage movement, gay rights movement, Stonewall, look at the violence, the civil rights movement in America. There's been violence that has been associated with all these things, fighting fascism, to some degree McCarthyism. The fight for labor was an actual fight at Haymarket here in Chicago and on and on and on. There's a a connection of violence that goes along with any of these struggles. Um, And I think often we ignore that and we act as if change, the best way to go about change is for peaceful protests and voting. And I, I would agree like in my heart, like that's what I would love to see happen. But America has a history of, of violence being the point I'm, I'm straying off from what I really want to talk about. And, and I, I just want to talk about the fact that this week has been super heavy. It's been really heavy. And then at the end of it, you have the death of Chadwick Boseman. Usually celebrity deaths don't hit me very hard. I think that those lives and the, the accomplishments of those people needs to be celebrated and often there needs to be context that is added to that celebration prince's death hit me really hard because i'm a huge prince fan this death hit me hard too for a lot of reasons and i want to try to tick them off i i want to i want to start first with the medical aspect of it Chadwick Boseman died of colon cancer that he had been living with, according to his family, for four years, which means that most of the production of Black Panther and Infinity War and Endgame, this is an actor who was struggling through whatever therapy he was going through, along with the pain of of what he was dealing with. It's very personal to me. Because I have Crohn's disease. And the connection is. I get a colonoscopy every single year. And. That's something that's been going on with me for. Shit. 25 years or so. And I joke about my colonoscopies. Because I want to try and make people go get theirs. (laughs) Because it's. It's not that bad when you prep for it and my last colonoscopy which I had what four weeks ago uh was one of my best both in my preparation for it and and I'll just share with you medically like I'm doing better than I've been doing in a while when it comes to that colonoscopies seem scary and I know that the recommendations that the AMA has thrown out there is for people that are around 50, that that's when you should start getting your first colonoscopy. In the black community, in black men in particular, like myself and Chadwick Boseman, it's more prevalent. And I think that it's incumbent upon people to go get testing. And I think that you need to understand the signs of it. And I'm going to get a little bit graphic here, so... If you are listening to this while someone who is younger is in the car, just know that I'm going to get graphic and I'll try to be as 
as um, delicate as I can be in the graphic nature of it. If, if you're seeing a change in your bowel movements where things aren't normal, where you're either severely constipated or you have incredible diarrhea or you're seeing a thinning of your bowel movements, if it's becoming more difficult, if there's blood in your stool, these are some of the signs of IBD. And granted, they could also be like stress-induced. Like there can you can have a couple of days where things are bad, you're not eating well, and your digestive system doesn't isn't isn't doing its job because everything is fried. You should also know that when it comes to your immune system, a big portion of it is in your gut. Okay? So if your gut's not right, then the rest of you is probably not going to be right either. That's when you need to talk to your doctor about all of this stuff. And I have a a gastro. I have one of the best. Russell Cohen at, at the University of Chicago. I've been with him for 20 years, more than that, almost 25 years. And if you see something like that, you should go and talk with your doctor. And and if they recommend a colonoscopy, if there hasn't been change or there's therapies that you can't, that that aren't doing their job, don't be afraid of it. I know that everyone kind of, it can, it can seem scary because what they're doing is they're taking a tube and they're putting it up your butt and it's going through your, your colon and your intestines. And what they're trying to do is find disease and polyps. The great thing about colonoscopies, one I think one of the best things about it is that it is a diagnostic test and it is also a treatment. So let's say you have a polyp. Maybe it's precancerous. Who knows? Maybe it's benign. Like I usually have, I, I've always had benign polyps. But let's say that it's precancerous. They take it out. They like that moment in that moment. It has a little, uh, you know, like a think of it. Think of it like when you go to Showbiz Pizza. No one goes to Showbiz Pizza. Chuck E. Cheese. Wait, no one goes there anymore. Well, you know what I'm talking about. And they have the little crane. Like think of the colonoscopy like that. But it's actually going to grab something and pull it out of you. It's helpful, and then they'll they'll do a biopsy on all that stuff, and and if you're precancerous, it's a really good way to get ahead of the disease. I am amazed that Chadwick Boseman was able to 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 do all the things that that he did, like all the movies that he made throughout that time. Um, Anyone who has IBD, and it's that's not as severe as cancer. I want to be very clear about that. But anyone who has IBD can probably relate that on days when you're in a flare-up, it's hard to do anything. And you go from, like, me personally, like there are days that you're going to see me where I look uh, bloated because I am. Because part of the thing that I have going on with Crohn's is there are areas of my intestinal tract that are totally fine. And then there are areas that are dilated. So sometimes when I eat food, 
there's some food that will not be able to get through. Like there's some stuff that goes right through me. And then there's some stuff that that has to kind of fight its way through. So it'll expand and it'll um, it'll expand my tummy. Like there are people who be like, oh, you know, you're, you're getting fat. I'm actually not. I'm I'm a little ab- above where I'd like to be. Like I'm 190 pounds and I'd probably like to be at 175. But there are days when you see me that it looks like I'm 215 pounds because I got a bloat. So I get a little I get a little belly uh, when I'm not doing all the things that I need to be doing, like exercise and and eating terrible things all the time. And it zaps you like as your body is trying to push stuff through, it really, really zaps your energy. You add that to whatever treatment Chadwick Boseman was going through and you realize that it's remarkable that he was able to to finish all of this work and get that work done. I implore you, if you're a middle-aged man like I am, or you're a little younger, but you've been having some issues in the bathroom, I implore you to go and see your doctor. I really, really do. Uh, It's because, like, to go back to my situation, I had a, a giant portion of my colon has been removed. So I still have, like, portions of it. So I've had two surgeries. I had a surgery when I was 16 when I was first diagnosed with Crohn's which was really difficult because I was losing weight. Like I was, you know, you're in the middle of playing sports and on all this stuff. And I was losing weight at a, a pace that was uh, scary to everyone who was around me. And it's so weird because I saw some of the signs, some of the same things that I was doing when I was 16 and 17 that Chadwick was doing towards the end of his life. You're seeing him wear bigger clothes and he looks gaunt. Like those were the same things. If you got pictures of me when I was 16, I'd be, and it was the nineties. So like I'm in big baggy clothes and they're just like hanging off of me. So I had surgery back then and I had surgery eight years ago. Because that, that happens. Usually they say like five years is, is your, you usually have to go back in. And I'm very lucky that I've been okay for eight years and haven't had to go back under the knife because that is horrible. Uh, and it's a really rough existence. And it's scarier as you get older because you're not as strong and recovery is not as easy for you. But I implore you to to go get checked if you feel like something is going wrong when you are are in the bathroom. Um, that's, that's one of the things that we can take from Chadwick is kind of a call to arms when it comes to situations of health and men are really bad at this. And black men in particular, like we're really bad about going to the doctor. And I understand why. Like, I understand that there are a lot of times when it comes to dealing with doctors and nurses that you don't feel like you're heard. And this happens in the black community and the Latino community a lot. And if you look at the death rates of, of um, 
newborns when it comes to black women and the death rates of the mothers compared to their white counterparts, there is legitimate evidence that the healthcare system does not work as well for black and brown people as it does for white people. That being said, if you are having difficulty in the bathroom, please, please go get checked and don't be scared of the colonoscopy test. I'm telling you, I'm, here's why you don't have to be scared of it. Obviously, you should be worried about whether or not you have cancer. I'm not telling you not to do that. I mean, I did that four weeks ago. Like, I was like, I feel really good, but is there cancer underneath? Like, that sort of thing. But here's the joy of it. You spend 12 hours emptying out your system. That part sucks. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. It sucks. But the reward is what happens before you actually have the colonoscopy. The thing about colonoscopies is that they don't put you out for them. They put you in what's called twilight. And so you feel as good as you have ever felt in your life. I'm telling you, before they start the procedure, you won't remember a thing. You're going to wake up and you're going to be in a waiting room and it's going to be an hour later and you're going to be like, what happened? And then your doctor is going to come in and say, hey, this is what we saw. And we'll do the biopsies and we'll talk to you in a couple of days. It's totally fine and you don't have to be scared. I do it every year. Every year. And I'm telling you, it's not that scary. Even during COVID, it was it was more... I, I'll tell you like this. It was more uncomfortable to get the COVID test than it was to get the colonoscopy. Real talk. Because I got double barrel action on the COVID test. Because you have to take the COVID test before you get a procedure like that. And I was like, oh, okay. I heard that they got these saliva tests now. And they're like, no, no, no. We're going we're gonna to need both nostrils. And I was like, oh, shit. And it didn't hurt. It was just uncomfortable. Way more uncomfortable than the colonoscopy. So that's the medical aspect and why it touched me personally. Uh, part of the reason that it touched me personally. The other reason is the Jackie Robinson connection. In in a, a moment when we are celebrating Jackie Robinson, and I think that there are a lot of people that have kind of turned Jackie Robinson into a mascot and have not appreciated his level of activism throughout his entire life. Um, shout out to Shakia Taylor. She wrote an incredible piece for Baseball Prospectus that I think does a better job of encapsulating that than I'm doing right now. Uh, you should go read it. Chadwick Boseman played Jackie Robinson in the movie 42. And I saw a picture of, of Rachel Robinson, Jackie's widow, at the premiere of that movie with Chadwick and her like hugging him and putting her hand on her face. And I just broke down. Because Rachel Robinson is amazing. Have you ever heard her talk about what their life is like, was like? Um, you should. You should seek it out. I consider her and Jackie to be incredible forces in the civil rights movement. And seeing her hug Chadwick Boseman because she was proud of his portrayal of Jackie Robinson was uh, hard. It was hard. 
for me. It was really difficult. Throughout his career, Chadwick Boseman has played Jackie Robinson. He's played Thurgood Marshall. And he's played James Brown and Get On Up. You should go watch his performance and Get On Up. Along with being T'Challa and, and playing Black Panther, which is another thing that, that connects me to his death. You know how I feel about comic book movies and, and Marvel movies. In that movie, Black Panther was such a great movie. I want to explain it. There's an episode, if you go back into the catalog, I did an episode about a year ago called Black Like Me. And it was after I went to my best friend, Afia. Her her mom passed away, and I went to the funeral. And I had this experience because Afia's family is from Ghana. And I've learned about Ghana, like being around her and her sister, Abby, but I've never felt more American in my entire life than when I was at the funeral. And I found that everyone was super welcoming as I, I sat there looking super American, as, as everyone else is in these beautiful outfits and these bright colors. Um, even for a funeral, like I, that's the, one of the things I did really appreciate and took away from the Ghanaian uh, tradition I always feel I feel like I say that wrong. Is it Ghanaian or Ghanaian? Anyway, th- those traditions of celebrating the person's life while you mourn that person's death. In watching Black Panther, it was wonderful. As a kid, I knew who a lot of the the black superheroes were because I was reading comic books. So I or or watching cartoons. So I knew who Black Vulcan was and I knew that Jon Stewart was one of the Green Lanterns and he happened to be black. Still one of my favorite characters and someone needs to do that movie. They need to do the Jon Stewart Green Lantern movie. And you know about Black Panther, you know about T'Challa. But being able to see it on screen in a way that did the comic book justice. Because there were, there were a lot of comic book movies back in the 70s and 80s and 90s that were terrible. I'll go back to the the S.H.I.E.L.D. the Shield movie that came out where David Hasselhoff is playing Nick Fury. And I believe Lisa Renna was also... I mean, it's just horrible. So now DC and Marvel have come such a long way in making these movies like we imagine them like seeing iron man in 2009 and being like oh my god like this is what i thought it should look like this is the vision that i had in my head for all of this and it's maximized when black panther comes out because beyond beyond them doing justice to the story and offering us a really interesting conversation between T'Challa and Killmonger on what is the right approach. I mean, how many people did you see walking around with Killmonger was right t-shirts? I was struck by the completeness of 
them wanting to tell an African story. I was struck by how beautiful in that first challenge scene with him and Mbaku where you have all of these different tribes and all of these incredible colors and all of these different black people that are just beautiful. It allows one to be hopeful, even though we're talking about a make-believe land. And I thought that Chadwick Boseman did an incredible job of embracing the importance of his role. He was on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. And they were talking about how it was important to the people who made Black Panther, that their representation of Africa was on point. I want you to take a listen to it because if you listen to the Black Like Me episode or heard me a couple minutes ago talking about being American, it's, it, was re- it, it struck me that Chadwick was going through something very similar. I can't even put into words what that feels like because because you know, on both sides, as, Af- as an African-American and, you know, seeing people from the continent, I see, I've seen the divide for my entire life. Right. You know, I, I've, you know, grew up and I remember hearing the term African booty scratches as an insult. You right, know, I remember right, that. Right. Um, and then, I, and then I, I went through my phase of trying to find Africa and not knowing, well, which place am I from? Wow. You know, and I've seen Africans who viewed us in, in a particular way where you're not connected. Right. You don't know where you're from. And at the same time, love parts of our culture. So there's like this weird, there's been this weird dynamic. Uh-huh. You know, I don't know the oral tradition because I didn't grow up with it, you know, for, from, you know, if I, if I knew exactly where I came from growing up, I would have had an oral tradition from that place. Right. I, I never had that. So this movie, in a certain way, creates a story that we all share. And it's the first time that's, I feel like that's ever happened. Where, I feel like where, yeah. where it's like, okay, that's our story. That's our story, too. I think part of that is because um, you have these two um, characters who have this collision. Right. And they have to go through each other and find out about each other. Um, so even in fighting, there is a there is a sense of kinship among them, and I you know I think it, it's portrayed on on screen where people accept it. I agree with him wholeheartedly. That movie was important. It was important because the black community in America was able to rally behind it. And if if you know anything about the black audience in in movies, like we're really loyal. We're really loyal but it has to be done in in a good way and you saw people embrace the idea of this place where we are elevated that there's this place where it's not weird for a teenage girl to be a genius and her genius to be celebrated that if given the opportunity and the means that we we can do as well as anybody. And I also think that it went a long way for other people 
other cultural groups to view Africa maybe a little differently, even though this is a make-believe Africa, to view black people in a different light. I'm giving it a lot of credit, and I do understand that a movie doesn't fix everything, but I think that there was a lot of pride that went into people falling and doing the Wakanda forever thing. It meant something to folks. Like, there's that great thing. I'm sure you're seeing it on social media. If you haven't, you need to go search it out, where Jimmy Fallon had people talking at the premiere of Black Panther about what the movie meant, and then Chadwick Boseman comes out, and they literally bow to him like he's King T'Challa. And seeing him really embrace that, it meant a lot to me. It, it really did. Seeing him be in love with that character, and I'm sure he got tired of it. I'm sure that he couldn't go anywhere without anyone hitting him with the Wakanda forever. And they were doing it out of respect. But I can only imagine him be like, yeah, 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 Wakanda forever. But publicly, that was never the case. He was willing to be King T'Challa. No matter what, he was willing to be King T'Challa. What I like about what I've learned about Chadwick Boseman over the last few years is he is fiercely trying to make change and speak his truth and using the platform and the celebrity to try and do good. And people like that have a special place in my heart. I want to share that with you in a second. I just want to something that he said um, at at a commencement ceremony. But I, just, I retweeted the, the pivotal scene from Endgame. It gives me chills no matter what because of what it meant. And I'm a huge Captain America fan. And in some, in some spaces in my mind, like I relate to that character on a lot of levels. I relate to being there with, I mean, quite honestly, there are times where I felt like, you know, since Jason left the score that I've been sitting there with half a shield and Thor's hammer waiting for him to come back. So that moment when the portals open up and he and Shuri, like they, they come through, I was watching that movie in Chatham. On 87th Street. And the eruption that you heard when he walked through that portal, I'll never forget that as long as I live. That scene does so much for anyone that's a Marvel fan. It does so much. But when he dies in Infinity War, I saw that in Chatham too. And it was not great. There were children who were crying as they were walking out of the theater. So that cathartic moment when he's the first one that walks out. 
And T'Challa and Captain America are kind of like two sides of the same coin. And there's simply a head nod where it's like, Cap, we're here and we're about to mess some up. Thanks for helping bring us back. We're here. You can you can strap up and we can do this all day, as Captain America would say. So thinking about that scene, it's a great scene for a lot of reasons. And I think that a lot of people are going to see it in a different light now. I can't stress enough. This guy made all these films, plus all he was doing other projects too. While dealing with stage three colon cancer. It's amazing. He did an episode of The Shop, and I think that's where people started to be like, what's going on with Chadwick Boseman? And there are a lot of people who were making fun of him. Um, and again, it's another thing that I can relate to as far as like big baggy clothes and trying to hide how much weight you've actually lost. He made Five Bloods with Spike Lee. And if you haven't seen his performance in that movie, you need to see it. Like There are incredible performances all the way around. But you need to watch it for what he did in his role. It's all made me very sad. Chadwick spoke at commencement. I believe it is alma mater at Howard. He's a a guy from the HBCUs, which is another reason why I think his death is especially hard on people in the black community. Check out what he said in commencement about what it is that you need to focus on and do with your life. Purpose is an essential element of you. It is the reason you are on the planet at this particular time in history. Your very existence is wrapped up in the things you are here to fulfill. Whatever you choose for a career path, remember the struggles along the way are only meant to shape you for your purpose. When I dare to challenge the system that would relegate us to victims and stereotypes with no clear historical backgrounds, no hopes or talents, when I questioned that method of portrayal, a different path opened up for me. The path to my destiny. When God has something for you, it doesn't matter who stands against it. God will move someone that's holding you back away from a door and put someone there who will open it for you. If it's meant for you, I don't know what your future is, but if you're willing to take the harder way, the more complicated one, the one with more failures at first than successes, the one that has ultimately proven to have more meaning, more victory, more glory, then you will not regret it. Now, this is your time. (laughs) Obviously, the students respond to that. I get a little weepy whenever commencement comes up because of how hard students work. When I got my master's at Alabama, I cried like a baby 
thinking about everything that went into it. And I'm kind of like that for my students at DePaul at the end of the quarter. I turn into a weeping mess. I'm looking forward to seeing them again, even if it's just virtually in a couple of weeks because they inspire. I over on the air over the last couple of days, I've been talking about an encounter I had a couple of years ago. It was three years ago where Nikki Giovanni was in the same restaurant I was in and I got super excited and stalkerish to tell you the truth. And I watched her read some of her poetry and one of the things that she said that stuck with me is optimism is a form of rebellion. And I understand where we're at right now and it feels horrible. I see a lot of people on social media talking about, you know, 2020, just go away, like get out of here. This is the worst year that's ever been. And as it continues to be hard for everyone that's living through a pandemic and having people being taken away from us like Chadwick Boseman and feeling all of the pressure that is seemingly on us from day to day. It feels like things are slipping away. And no one is paying attention. And it feels like the year is to blame. 2020, like that's the, the reason that we have all of these issues and all these problems. Optimism is a form of rebellion. We are at a point where we could give in. We can given to all of the things that are continuing to send us backwards and to push us down. And it's hard. Me asking you to even think about being optimistic as a form of rebellion seems ludicrous right now. It really does. That doesn't mean that this stuff doesn't hurt because it it clearly does. I had trouble sleeping last night. You probably did too. But that we have to continue to keep pushing. 2020 isn't over yet. It's not over yet, and it doesn't have to end the way that it's begun. Every day is a new opportunity for us to do better. And usually when we do better, we feel better. It doesn't mean that we aren't knocked down. It's okay for us to be knocked down. And it's okay for us to have to gather ourselves for the struggle that is in front of us. Optimism is a form of rebellion. The easiest thing in the world for us to do 
is to give in and to give up. I choose to rebel. I choose to gather myself and continue the fight. And my hope is that you take whatever you need as far as time or therapy or being around your friends and family whatever you need that's going to help you get back in the fight you do it what i'm asking is not easy As we stand here and look at where we're at as a society, as a republic, as a people. But I choose to rebel. I choose to get up. Dust myself off. Bury and celebrate our dead. And not give up. Optimism is a form of rebellion. Rebel. 